We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCrady. That is Tyler Siski, all fired up, ready to go today. Back from Dallas, back from UFC. He's, thinks he has solved one of uh, history's great mysteries. He's 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 like, look at this picture. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna go through it in a minute. He, he walked in the door. Just he doesn't even need rain, but he's got it today. Let's see, what flavor do you have today? You have All right, <clears throat> so I'm going, this is not for the faint of heart. This, this is for hardcore rain fans. Like, you're not ready for this just yet, Neil. <laughs> okay. All right, this is the thermogenic, okay, in rain inferno, okay. The taste is watermelon. It's fabulous. But basically what it is is it's rain with pre-workout in it. Like, you're going to work out today. You should, you should have cracked one of these bad boys. You'd be... Doing like two twenty five for fifty, be ready to roll. So if I were to do that and I'm going pre workout, do I want to drink that? What thirty minutes before, an hour before? <laughs> Forty five minutes seems to be the perfect. Well, yeah. we, I mean, we've got. I walked into that. We're, we're a lab here. I mean, Forty five <laughs> minutes. I mean, it's damn near within the second. Forty five minutes, this shit kicks in, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it, it works. Tyler also came up. Uh, bearing gifts, not only the rain. I've got, uh, by the way, melon mania is my. Uh, Mine for the day. About to about to try a new one. Now you're almost, you're almost ready to go on repeat. Yeah, rain's rain's got to like me. I'm trying all the different ones. Yeah. Where I was in Kroger yesterday, I did our grocery shop. Lars in Fayetteville. Yep. She normally does the weekend grocery shop. She's moving. Something Campbell get set up. Campbell's moving out of the sorority house and into an apartment. There you go. And then Caroline is on her way up today, moving into the sorority house. Gotcha. So, Laura's handling all of that, which meant you got. Hey, I'm here. You got the good end of that stick, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not so originally about- I was going to be the one to go up to Fayetteville and help do it, and the problem was twofold. One, I don't know what to do. 
And two, you can't trick the girls. They're like, mommy's not coming. I'm like, okay, look, just just say what you want to say. And like, well, I mean, I just I just thought maybe they just, don't get what they want. I just thought maybe maybe mom was going to come. And I'm like, so you wanted both of us? Well, I mean, really, daddy, I just wanted to make sure that mommy, if if she wanted to come, she do you want your mom there? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure it happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Laura's there, and I'm here. Uh, Carson started. Your son started school today too. Mm-hmm. Carson started um, his sophomore year of high school. You've got a sophomore too, right? So I got a sophomore, a freshman. So big day. You've got two. Oh, it is a big yeah, day. Big day. And uh, it's always fun because of the shit show that occurred in the in carpool line. Like they don't know how to work this. Did you see that when you got there? Yeah. Did you, like everybody was in the left side. So I got in the right. So what was that about? Was that people lining up to park? They had a senior breakfast or something this morning. So the parents just, they got there early. So they just parked. Well, the best part was, is people were getting in that line thinking it was the carpool line and just sitting there. I'm a vet. I'm a carpool vet. And, uh, I just got in the right lane and went all the way to the front and people just, you know, they get that look and like, what are you doing? So I was in and out in like 30 seconds. And I think I started a trend because I think everybody figured out that that guy in the great truck knows what he's doing so they kind of started following me you may have noticed tyler also brought the quick you hats yeah quick you adding just just one client after another taking over the uh the college football recruiting yeah, we, industry we went public with uh i guess public we, we've been on but we're you know strategic marketing i guess you would say uh today is august the first and so we announced iowa state today we'll be announcing another tomorrow and then another one on wednesday is that right congratulations yeah, yeah so we're going to the uh, which we hadn't talked about. It. I actually had it written down. Uh, we're leaving tomorrow to go to Nashville for the uh, National Recruiting Symposium. So all the recruiting staffs, there's going to be like 60, I think, or 65 schools there. Yeah. Their recruiting departments will be uh, in attendance. So we're going to go do that with Quick U uh, tomorrow. Cool. That's awesome. Well, it worked out, worked out good for both of us to do this on a Monday. That's it. All right, before we get rolling, I want to tell you, as I mentioned, we've been brought to you by Powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Um, I had the wrong, that's the wrong reader. Hold hold up. I'm going to get to it. Everything's good. Everybody rain. They're, they're cool. 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits, achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at rain body fuel to learn more. All right. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> you want to do football before we get into the chaos, or yeah, let's do football first because <laughs> I, I think we should be true to our people. We may not get to a football if we start with the other because we're promising a football show. I yeah. think we should at least deliver a football show. All right, let's start with something fun here. We'll get to the ACC in a minute. All right. I mean, ACC is not going anywhere. I mean, I mean, they're, they're going <laughs> away. They're going away, but not today. Um, SEC coaches. This is in. Athlon Sports, I'll give credit where credit is due. Kind of cool. You've been reading Athlon, huh? Well, I see your magazine. I've got Athlon here. This popped up. This is coaches talking anonymously about conference foes for 2022. What league is this? SEC. These scouting reports come directly from coaching staffs, do not necessarily reflect the views of Athlon's editorial staff. I'll be honest. Sometimes when I read these, I think they're made up. I will. I have been asked to do some of these things before okay i do them with reputable people if i don't know the guy and can trust the guy i don't and then sometimes people will call me did you say that like, no that what it really wasn't me um i've been accused of that before as well 
Uh, all right. Let's see. I'm trying to find. We'll start with some boring ones. Um, in terms of pure talent, the roster is probably the fourth best in the East and lower than, than that in the West. But they didn't have much to start with at Louisiana either. They really un- the, the really unique thing about Napier is that he's always unafraid to do the necessary ugly football stuff that isn't exciting. But this is a higher platform than he's ever been on as a head coach. This is obviously an anonymous coach talking about Florida and Billy Napier. That's pretty tame. Not a lot of trash there. You got a guess as to who that would be? Eli Drinkwitz. Oh, okay. Because he started with the East, so it's definitely an East coach. And it's somebody that's very proud of where they're at. So I'm going with I'm going with Eli Drinkwitz. Here's one about Georgia. It's interesting. The quarterback is back, but one of the worst things that can happen after a successful season or a title run is when a good but not great quarterback comes back. Everyone is expecting an advancement that might not be possible. Remember, there were times last season they won in spite of this offense. Lane Kiffin. Oh, okay. It's somebody that's dealt with quarterbacks and as a head coach. Yeah, there's another quote here about Georgia. It's interesting. They're loaded with the elite young guys coming in, but they aren't going to have the luxury of that defense from last season. So eventually, they're going to have to open the offense up and push Stetson Bennett. They won a national title in the most comfortable way possible for their head coach. The best defensive players in the country doing their thing and then playing a safe offensive game. That will have to change some. Which is true, I think. That's my thing. See, this is my thing on Georgia. We talked about this weeks ago. Maybe on the first show. Yeah. This is my thing on Georgia is I get it. They're loaded. I, I, I get it. I get it. But the quarterback is, is fine. Right. The quarterback is he's fine. He's fine. There's, there's, Correct. No, there's nothing fancy about him. He's playing his last year of football. And so they lost all those dudes on defense. And I realize they have new dudes coming in, but the dudes that left are proven. They're playing on Sundays now. And these guys probably will play on Sundays eventually, but there are growing pains. I do think, I agree with this anonymous coach, they are going to have to step it up offensively if what we're talking about is winning another title. Yeah, I mean, because last year they won game. They didn't even have to score points. I mean, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I know, that's what I'm saying. When I went to the Arkansas-Georgia game last yep, year. Yep, that's the one that sticks out of my mind. I don't know if I've seen a more physical ass-kicking just – in my life. And keep in mind, at that time, Arkansas was undefeated. They had beaten Texas, and they had beaten Texas A&M going into that game. They yeah. were they were really yeah, good. They're good. And I get it. And, and everybody gets hung up on the uh, amount of starters that left to go to the NFL. They got a lot of guys coming back and that are playing for them. They actually yeah. play meaningful snaps. So they're not really replaced. It's not like you're starting – from scratch with some guy that's never played before. Right, I understand that. And those guys were talented as well. Again, I'm not saying for Georgia to be good, they have to yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah. I'm saying for Georgia to repeat as national champion, yeah. they have to do more offensively. And I think they will. I do. I, I think they're going to be better. You know, Stetson been in another year at quarterback because people have to remember, the guy went into the season last year was like the fourth team quarterback this time last year. I mean, you had Newman, you had JT Daniels, and they were, you know uh, – uh, what's it? Keep getting the kids' name. Is it Vandergriff, Brock? What? Brock, yeah. You know they were pushing. You know all those guys, young quarterbacks they had, and Stetson Bennett was like the fourth option. So he never really. This is the first time he's come into a season as being the starter. 
So I, I think they'll be better on offense. I don't think they're going to be a juggernaut, but I think they're going to be good enough to – I think they're good enough to win every game. Here's a quote on Kentucky. This is good. They're approaching a dangerous area in terms of expectations. <laughs> There's going to be a point in time where the money they're paying Mark Stoops is going to come with more than just being happy with the bowl bid. For a long time, everyone in the industry has said Stoops has the best job in college football, but that can't last forever. Can they build a division-winning program, or will he find another job before that time comes? They're also competing in a division that gets a little better each year. You can always look at their games against Tennessee, South Carolina, and Missouri as a good measurement. All three of these programs are improving season by season. Yeah, I think uh, my man Dan Warner said it best. I don't remember if I've said this already on here or not, so forgive me if I have. <clears throat> we come into uh, right after we won the Egg Bowl in 2012. He goes, man, we did this just right. Because he had been here with Ed mm -hmm. before that. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, we went 6-6, six and six, perfect. Mm -hmm. He goes, next year we need to go 7-5. and five. <laughs> Then we need to find a way to go 8-4. and four, And then we need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> because right, wrong, or indifferent, fans get expectations. And when you don't meet those expectations, it's gotten to the fanatical stage. Yeah. Okay, we live here in Oxford. We're, Lane's kind of here right now. We'll get to Lane in a yeah. minute, but that's uh, we're here in Oxford. Yeah. We just saw it with uh, the baseball program, right? Expectations. We're ready to run this son of a bitch out of town. You know, four months before the season's over with, and it's baseball. Don't even get me started. All right, and then now all of a sudden they're building a damn statue of the guy out here on you know next to the stadium. He's the greatest thing ever. They forgot that they hated his ass three months ago, but now they want to. You know, anyway. Um, that'll get some people fired up. See, I'm I'm not even halfway through. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. All right. So, but at any at any program, and it's the same thing in Alabama. You know, we lose we lose to Ole Miss in the when I'm in Alabama in the goalpost game, right? Fourteen, fourteen. So they there were people calling for Nick Saban's job, and then everybody the dynasty is over. <laughs> Here we are, eight years later. It's just the expectations of fans. You know, Alabama's terrible, but they just have been winning so much that they really don't have no, – they're just pent up. If it goes bad – if it ever goes bad at Alabama, it's going to be bad because yeah. there's just pent up aggression. <laughs> uh, but you look at Auburn, what happened with Auburn in the offseason. I mean, it's just the fans are fanatical, and when there's expectations and you don't meet them, woo, I mean, it's it's deafening. All right, here's a quote on Missouri. Let me. I, I'm going to guess the source on this one, okay? All right. Eli Drinkwitz comes off as this kind of nerdy guy, but he's really, really sharp. He has vision, and he's thinking long-term there. The source? Yeah. Eli Drinkwitz. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Eli, hey, Eli, uh, Eli he's, a, uh, he's a very good ball coach. The thing I, I do respect about him is, you know, he didn't play college ball. And that's a, that's a hard road. To, he was not born on first base. And – you know, inside the profession, I respect those guys that work their way up and were not born on third base. You know, yeah, sure. their first job is – and not that I don't respect the other ones, but I have a little bit more appreciation for the guys that grunted their way up, and he and he did. So, congrats to him. Here's one on South Carolina. You're you're high on Carolina, the, pro, I do. the program. I, I am. Okay. Well, you're not alone. This hell, this may have been you. It was Tyler Siski. <laughs> 
This is the team to start paying attention to, this this coach says about South Carolina. He says, Shane Beamer knows what he's doing, and now he has a quarterback he's familiar with. They're going to be much better than people think in the long run. The question really is how long will that take and where the ceiling is at, where the ceiling is at with the level of competition they're against in the league in Clemson. But this is a guy who's acting a lot like his dad did when he built Virginia Tech out of nothing. They don't talk about the challenge. They're looking for those four or five things that can work for them and not wasting time on things they can't do. And then there's another quote. There's a new there's a chance in this new portal era where Spencer, talking about Spencer Rattler, blows up. They work the portal to get some big-time guys for next year, and all of a sudden they're really taking off. The, the stock on South Carolina, maybe not 2022, but the, the stock on South Carolina in the fairly near future is pretty high right now. Yeah, and I know I, I, know I said this before. Shane Beamer reminds me of what Hugh was when we got here in twelve. He is building a culture. The kids believe in him, and they believe in what they're doing. A lot of fans aren't buying into it. A lot of media are not buying into it. And then they're they're kicking up and they're going uh, full tilt. I, I want to say this without being critical of you. It, I agree with you. The difference is that it doesn't feel – Shane doesn't feel like the type of guy that's going to lose his bearings. The way Hugh did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's – I wasn't talking about all that. but No, no, no. I you, don't started, mean, you started huffing and puffing over there. I thought you lost the computer. I was like, I kind of paused me for a second. No, no. And I don't mean, and I don't mean that. I'm not talking about the personal foibles and stuff. I'm just talking about losing sight of the goal. Hugh got distracted. You saw it. Hugh got distracted by all the outside people that suddenly want a piece of success. When you're successful, people want more of you than when you're just a dude. When you're just – Oh, that's 100% true. When you're just the quarterback's coach at North Texas or something and you're just grinding away, nobody I mean, people might respect it, but nobody really wants a piece of you. When you suddenly are the guy at Ole Miss who's winning games and people are starting to get excited and people notice you and all of a sudden people want to be in your orbit, well, that can become a distraction for coaches. And it, it did for Hugh for certain I don't know that Beamer's the type that's going to be bothered by that. And in many ways, that's because he grew up in Blacksburg watching his dad do what he did at Virginia Tech. Yeah, and Shane, for and here was my telltale last year is, you know, things we talked about earlier. They never lost two games in a row. They they came back, and they, they fought every single week, and they got better every single week. And they did all this with playing a GA at quarterback. Yeah. And – the fans are hungry for a winner, very similar to the situation that we had here when we mm-hmm. got there. They were hungry for a winner. Mm-hmm. That is a tough place to play. It is. And he's got them going. And I, I just – I like the trajectory they're on. Uh, not saying that because my all of my in-laws uh, are South Carolina people, except for my – I actually shouldn't say that. My one brother-in-law is big Clemson. I, we have a – my wife's side of the family is Clemson, South Carolina, going at each other. Um, I try to stay neutral. You know, I guess I have to be on Team Clemson. Oh, yeah, we're releasing them tomorrow. I guess I'm going to be on <laughs> Team Clemson since they uh, they are officially a quick U client. So, um, but, yeah, I don't know. We got to uh, – I, I just like what the guy's doing. The tough part is they have to play Clemson every year. That's the tough part. It is tough. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's see. Tennessee. This is kind of fun just to find one. All right. 
They're pretty easy to break down because that offense is pretty easy to break down. You're a six-win team if your quarterback is decent. You've got a two- or three-game ceiling if he can make plays. Having Joe Milton as a backup is a big luxury. You don't want to be rotating them at all. But if you have an injury, you've got a guy with some game reps in the system, which is rare in the portal era. So who they said this system was easy to prepare for? Yeah. So this is a defensive coach. He says, but he says you're a six-win team if your quarterback is decent and you've got a two- or three-game ceiling if he can make plays. Yeah, so, I, I, I disagree with that. Okay. I'm high on Tennessee as well. Tennessee, South Carolina, I'm all in. I got a couple teams I'm all in on. Like, just I want to see. It's tough because they're going to play each other and all that shit. But I am – look, I think people can say what they want to. Josh Heupel can coach football. Well, along those lines, another coach says, give them credit. They've got an identity for the first time in years, and the scheme has kept them in games against teams with way more talent, especially at places where it matters most in this league, like the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Say that scheme is easy to prepare for. I mean, it's probably the only coach that's ever shut them out or come close because they sure as a hell, that scheme has made a lot of people a lot of money. Jeff Levy says hello. You know, Josh Heupel says hello. The Browse people say hello. So saying that scheme is easy to prepare for, I disagree with that. Uh, Vanderbilt. I'm, all, I'm, I'm really curious on what this is going to be. All right, here we go. They've got great young coaches on the, that staff. But Agree. They're, but they're fighting the future with one hand tied behind their back and Two. Not, not just in the SEC. Right now I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a program that's more exposed by NIL and by the portal than this one. It wasn't easy to coach here before. Now it could be a lot harder. We haven't seen how they can use either of those to their advantage, but you can definitely see a future where players come in, get coached up and develop, and transfer out. Look at Tyler Steen. He was starting there, and now he's at Bama. And the bigger problem is you can't just take a kid from the MAC and the portal either because of the academics. Yeah, so they got the same issues that they have with JUCO recruiting, right, is the academics and getting kids in and everything else. They're going to have a tough time, I think, bringing kids in there's just a smaller selection not that they're going before the recruiting part ever starts just the selection of candidates um is going to be a lot smaller with that look i like what the guy's doing i think we talked about that before i love what the guy's doing i mean i think he's the right guy for the job they need to keep that guy for 100 years and and get them to be what they are but he's going to do everything he can to make them successful but yeah they're fighting with two hands tied behind their back and if you look and this is not hard if you look in the last – in my lifetime, the only one that I can remember being successful there was uh, James Franklin. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was one – I think DiNardo maybe back in the day. He had a moment. He had yeah. a moment. But that was when they were running triple option and all that stuff, right? But James Franklin had advantages recruiting, right? He had some exemptions and things. They helped him. They took one of those hands behind the back and gave him one hand so he could go do that. And look what happened. Like, if they would take recruiting restrictions off of Vanderbilt, I'm talking about the university. I'm talking about allowing them to go recruit. Hey, you just go get football players, and you want to do it like a lot of these schools do, and they say, hey, look, if you're NCAA eligible, we'll, we'll get you into school. Right. If they did that at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt would become a really good team because of where they're located. It's the best seat in the league. Sure. Everybody loves Nashville. I mean, who doesn't love Nashville? Right. I mean – that's just the truth. Now, will they do that? No, because they care too much too much about APR and and you know grad rates and everything else. I mean, it's all right. We're going to switch to the West here. All right. If you hate Alabama, the next couple of quotes are not going to be your favorites. 
If you love Alabama, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, who said something negative? That's what I want. I want to know that guy. There's nothing, literally nothing. Here's the here's the quote: If you're sick of Bama, buckle up because it's going to be the longest <laughs> season of your life. Right now, they project to have the best offensive and defensive player in the country, and they have the deepest roster and the best conference in the nation. They're a de facto pick to win the SEC in the national championship. Another, the roster at this point is just a joke to talk about. Pick a position. We don't scout them based on what they've lost. No other place in the country is like this. They aren't new faces as much as players who haven't beat you yet. (laughs) That's great. That's good. That's a great. And then the last one, and this is to you. You talked about this last week. If Bryce Young doesn't win the Heisman back-to-back, it could be because of Jameer Gibbs. He already looks like he belongs there, and they could be ridiculous with that combination. So, <laughs> I like that guy. I don't know who it is. Um, yeah, I mean, what are we doing? I've said this. I've heard it from inside the building and outside the building. They're going to be stupid ridiculous. And matter of would you say the over-under was like 11 and a half? Yeah. And that's regular season? Yeah. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I don't think anybody beats them. I don't even think it's even close. I agree. Uh, Arkansas. Uh, don't take this as a knock on the head coach, but maybe the greatest coaching hire since Joe, Joe Brady went to LSU is Barry Odom to Arkansas. It's not even close. He's completely changed that culture, and they are absolutely playing above the talent level. They shouldn't be as effective as they are. Uh, another, Sam Pittman is a great face for the program, a great leader, and has really brought home a lot of the cultural stuff that Brett Bielema wanted to instill in the program and with the fans and boosters, but didn't have the personality to do it. Yeah. I, I was, do you hesitate every time you start to talk about Arkansas? Do you mm-hmm. take a deep breath? Yep, because <laughs> I, I get beat up. <laughs> I, I saw the moment of hesitancy in your eyes. Well, because I was looking, frankly, I was looking for Something a negative. negative. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, here's the closest thing to negative about them. You will leave my man Neil alone, People man. in the industry like this coaching staff. That's, Look, that's the truth. This is the closest thing to negative. You remember where everybody was booing him when he got, like, they were just, the fans were just all yeah. distraught that they hired him. Look, the guy can coach, man. I don't care. The guy can coach. And the thing that I want to reemphasize this, especially to the fans, it's not about how good you can call plays. It's how good you can coach the coaches. You have to develop a culture. You have to be organized and recruiting, which he's check, check, check. And you have to be able to coach the coaches and get them to do what you want to do. And he does a great job at that, man. I, I'm I'm excited for him. I, I mean, I think the I think the league's going to be great this year, minus Alabama. I think they're just going to be on a whole other planet. Um, I think from top to bottom, it's probably the most equal that it's been in a long time. You know, you take Alabama out, take Vandy out. Those middle 12 teams, I mean. The following quote is the one, not, not the exact quote, but this sentiment. When I talk to people that I know around the league, this is what I get. Okay, this one right here. The floor has been permanently raised. It's not about the ceiling. It's about the floor. That's a good good quote. They're going to be a huge pain in the ass for the elite teams for a long time. They embrace physical play, and they're hell-bent to run on you. That's always going to work. Yeah. I hear that over and over when I talk to people. If you can – and the reason that running the football is a very important commodity – is if you can run the football. You're talking about Georgia, which we yeah. just talked about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you have playing at quarterback because now you set up RPOs, you set up play-action pass, which give you a huge jump in completion percentage. Gives you an advantage when you can run the football. 
And that's what he's going to do. He's an O-line coach. He's a physical hard ass. And, like, when you're tough and you can, not, and you can out-physical people, and, you know, Nick used to say it all the time, make their ass quit. That's what he told the players to do. That was his saying is make their ass quit. Yeah. That's what he – and it didn't matter who he's playing. And when you break their will, when you break their physical will of the opponent, you've won. All right, Auburn, a little different than Alabama. Um, I'm interested on these. Does anybody, does anyone remember that if the running back doesn't go out of bounds that they beat Alabama? Does anyone remember that they led most of the game? Nobody turns down SEC coaching jobs, but that place is absolutely schizophrenic. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler Siski. They won't settle on a starting quarterback until the very end. That's how he runs it, referring to uh, Harson. They'll have a wide open race all through the summer and keep everyone involved as much as possible. Then they'll lock in and try not to swap them once the season starts unless someone's injured. You could argue a lot of the wounds they're nursing are self-inflicted by both the head coach and the people around the program. It certainly drove coaches and players out of the program, and it absolutely made it easier to recruit against them. All right, so my my whole philosophy, and, and I'm, a, you know, for the people that don't know, I went to school there. I played there, or I sat the bench and watched people play there. Grew up an Auburn fan, die hard uh, growing up. Uh, I'm familiar with the program. Let's just call it like that. Um, when Brian Harson was hired, they went outside the network. You know, they went yeah. completely away from yeah. what they've been doing. Well, they were trying to hire Kevin Steele, and then right. the AD just said, no, we're not going to yeah. do it this way. We had, we had a faction. So then we had – but very similar to when Hugh came here to get the job, he had to make some sacrifices. and You had to make some uh, – I don't know sacrifice is not the right word. What allowances, whatever you're going to call it. You had to he, – he had to hire people that he did not want to hire. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Harson had to hire people that he didn't want to hire. Some ways there's a correlation between Matt Luke when he got the old miss job. He liked those people, but that's not who he would have hired. Yeah. I'll say it. You don't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he wouldn't I have, like how you slung it. You slung that one right. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have hired and he wouldn't have kept how much it, of your drink you had over there today. He wouldn't have kept McGriff <laughs> as his defensive coordinator. He'd have hired another coordinator. So back to Auburn, um, back on the Plains. Um, <laughs> Just true. <laughs> so back on the Plains. Yeah, back to the Plains. Back to the Plains. So after a year, he got he made changes. And what did he do? He puts Eric Kiesel back as the offensive coordinator, okay, that, that he had made. The, he was off the field. The guy went from off the field wide receivers to calling plays in like a month and a half. But Eric's a baller now. He, went to, he was at Alabama right after I was there. He was a, a – um, analyst, whatever, and then he went to Fresno, and they started, you know, and he's an offensive guy, yeah, ball coach. Um, then goes to boys, you know, all that stuff after Fresno. But anyway, long story short, is he's got his guys in place now, and I've said this from the jump, and I know we got some, I know Grind's a big Auburn guy, right? And everybody's, oh, we're gonna suck and do all this. I just don't, I, I, I find no way that they're gonna be. I, I just, I know on paper, I get it, I know what it looks like. But you've been around that program, too. They mm-hmm. find a way. Yeah. And for, for shits and giggles, you made me laugh a second ago when you were reading that deal. I went back. I, I started getting the itch. And so whatever, it was like Tuesday night. Matter of fact, did we record last Tuesday? Was that Tuesday we recorded? Yeah. yeah. I'll go home. I got the itch. I got the football bug starting to come back, and these old games wrong. Guess what was on? Auburn, Alabama from last year. And I remember, oh, that was a great game. 
Dude, I mean, I felt I watched every play like I was. It was in the middle of the season. It's freaking AJ Finley at quarterback, and Auburn almost won. Should have won. Yeah, they had no. They they shut down Alabama on uh, defense. Yeah, shut them down. Yeah, and then the same Alabama team beats Georgia next week. But Tank Bigsby gets knocked out of bounds one yard short. Well, this game's over with. The game's over, and they just find a way, man. But I think. Going back to the Auburn deal, and I've said it on my podcast back when it happened and that whole shit show that occurred with the attempted coup back in the in February. Yeah. Is you hired the guy to do a job. Let him do the damn job. Stop trying to interfere with what he's trying to do. You hired him, let him do his job. And you can't turn I mean, you can't go ten and two your first year. You gotta give people time to build programs, especially there. Uh, let's see. LSU. Kind of negative here. For the most Surprisingly. Part. A little bit. What are they going to do on offense with that personnel? It seems like they want to go dual threat and run with their quarterback, but that's really just Jaden Daniels, not the other guys. They've got some playmakers on the perimeter, and they need to have an effective downfield passing game with that personnel. I think you might see them rotate quarterbacks, which could be a different set of problems. Defensively, this will be the weakest secondary LSU has had in decades. It's because of the changeover and losing guys to Arkansas and Alabama, but they're going to feel it. Firing your coach in October creates these issues, right or wrong. Oh, it, it does that, but that's a that's like talking about a high bar. Yeah, they're going they're not going to be as good as they've been in the secondary uh, because they've been damn good. Yeah, I mean that's that's like saying, hey, Ole Miss is not going to be as good at quarterback this year as they were. And last year, just let everybody know that. Here's the big picture quote. This is this is interesting because there's so many people out there, you and me included, that are like, hey, Brian Kelly's going to get it done at LSU. They're yeah. going to be a force. This coach says the bigger thing to watch will be recruiting this season and next. Kelly has to prove it here. He's had a top brand that can battle for anyone nationally, but it's not an automatic. And going to war for these five stars against your own division is nothing like Notre Dame. Yeah, but they they've they've – Recently, I'll say recently, probably since the start of camp season, I think they've made a commitment to pick it up a little bit in NIL. I, I, I think, I mean, look, I think the guy's going to win. I'm not going to be surprised if he does it this year. Um, I'm thinking they're going to be an eight and four, nine and three team this year. Period. I think I agree with you. I they got too much talent at quarterback, too many playmakers. They're going to be fine on defense. I mean, what's a good defense anymore? People got to remember this game has changed. I mean, you're talking about you give up 17 points a game right now, and you're like, oh man, you know, we're <laughs> you got one of the best defenses in the country. You give up 17 points a game? Are you kidding me? You're going to win most of your games. I mean, I remember in the day when we would come and do meetings, and it's like, if we scored, our goal as an offense, my first year of coaching college football, one of our goals was to score 24 points in a game because that you would win every game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now let's go to Mississippi State. That's I'm, a, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested too. They're, they're, they're a team that, in some ways, I think we're all sleeping on them, and in other ways, I think, well, there's a reason for that. All right, the good news is that they have the quarterback, Will Rogers, back, and he does a lot of what Mike Leach likes. Historically, that means his numbers will jump. He'll make better decisions and have less turnovers, and they'll be a more consistent scoring offense. They lose the really good tackle, referring to Charles Cross. That hurts. It helps that some of those receivers are back, too, but they don't have a threat you have to work around. What would really help them is having the one dynamic guy you have to cheat to double. That's when they can kill you. Uh, And then the big picture quote on State, the question shouldn't be if Mike can coach in the SEC. That's stupid. He can. The question is, how can they advance what they're doing? That's the same for every offensive coach in the league. Right now, if you've got a disciplined secondary with good eyes who can play zone, you can slow them down. You say eye violations? Yeah. The feeling around the league right now is that everyone knows what they're going to do. That doesn't mean you can always stop them, but it's not good either. This is the SEC. We've all got analysts eating tape. You have to stay fresh. Yeah. I mean, look, I think they're going to be better. I mean, they can't not be, right? And this whole double thing, that whoever said that, that must be an offensive coach because everybody just drops eight on them. Cross was really good for them last year, and they yeah, lose him. Yeah, but it's not like a true drop back. It's a right. different game. Right. I mean. I'm bigger on Rodgers than a lot of other people. I, I, I'm not big on him as like a super NFL prospect. Well, no, of course not. I'm big on him as a system quarterback. Of course. He's great at that. Yeah. And he ran the same thing in high school. He's so familiar with it. And that was why, you know, I evaluated the kid out of high school. He came to camp. And that was my whole thing. Is like I was like, damn, how many cross, how many you know? Well, sometimes people five do, yard crossing. Sometimes people do that deal with it. Their insult on the guy is, well, he's never going to play in the league. Well, of course not. That's yeah. not really the point. Can I he mean, play where he's at? Yeah. Can he run the system that he's? Can he do what he's being asked to do right now? And the answer with Rodgers is, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean that's the. I don't know. I just but the whole system thing. I mean, so this is the year that everybody's going to figure it out. 
this is the year. We're talking about 2022. This is yeah. the year that everybody's going to figure it out and shut it down today, like this year. Okay. Because everybody, look, everybody's like, oh, we're just going to drop eight on him. Well, he figured that shit out in a week. You know, Mike Leach gets paid too. Yeah. You know, he'll figure it out. All right. Ole Miss. Not sure that Ole Miss fans are going to love a lot of this. It It's okay. He fits to hit, hit him with some true serum. All right, here we go. Would you rather me read it so you don't get in trouble? No, I'm I don't good. give a I'm shit. Good. You can reduce them down to the quarterback. If Jackson Dart is a dude, they're going to be lethal on offense and can win as many games as last year. If he's not, it's going to be a really long, bad season. This program is going to live and die with quarterbacks as long as Lane Kiffin's there, so low floor, high ceiling. Uh, Jeff Levy leaving is going to be a bigger hit behind the scenes of the program than the play calling or development. He I agree was, with that. He was de facto head coach for a lot of stuff Lane wasn't around for and put out a lot of fires. Um. The defense still looks like they're shaking off the probation years, but they aren't as bad as they were. DJ Durkin got them turned around in the bigger areas, but he's gone, and they're not really deep. With all the changes on offense, they'll need to at least be as good as they were last year. And then here's the big-picture quote on Kiffin and Ole Miss. Again, this is an anonymous SEC coach talking to Athlon. Let's see how Lane is maturing, the coach says. Almost all of the pieces he had on staff and on the roster that made last season special are gone. He's starting almost from scratch, and it's going to take a different kind of head coach than he's been in Oxford to continue the momentum they had in 21. A lot of truth there, I think. Um, look, it doesn't matter if you're Ole Miss, you're Auburn, or Penn State. you got to have a good quarterback if you're going to win a lot of games. Like, yeah. teams with teams – or at least serviceable. You know, everybody – Georgia wins it last year, right? But they had the elitist – the most elite defense in the sure. history of football. Sure. Well – you without that, your your quarterback's got to be a good player. That's who shows up to win games. So if they want to go ten and two, which is what they went last year, yeah, you're going to have to get that production out of the quarterback position. Period. Right. Besides anything, if they don't, yeah, it's going to be a long year. It'll be a long year for anybody. You know, if the quarterbacks at Alabama don't play good this year, they're not going to go undefeated. I mean, you have to be good at that position. Um, go, the other thing that I agree with that is uh, Jeff Jeff Lebby going to Oklahoma, big hit. Um, matter of fact, we'll talk about it later. I saw Levy this weekend. Yeah. Saw him on Saturday night. Um, but look, the guy is a, I think he's a future head coach and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it was after this cycle or coming up. Um, just a well-liked, well-respected. I worked with him for about a month. I really like the guy. I think he's, he's just a really good dude that knows what he's doing up and coming. He kind of got dinged a little bit because of who he's related to. Um, but Look, the guy is a – I think he was behind the scenes one of the most, you know, integral parts of what happened last year. All right, last one, Texas A&M. Very interested. <laughs> Boy, this is a good one here. I mean, this is a quote people are going to be talking about. Athlon's doing the Lord's work setting up. Are you the only person that bought an Athlon mag- actual magazine? Look, I wanted to – Did they was, have one I, copy in the – in the, I was, you get at, that at the grocery store? I, I did. I was at the beach. <laughs> I bought it at a Publix. I was at the beach, and I wanted to read – Pro football stuff. Okay. All right. I mean, is that so wrong? I just. Do you have a problem with that? I think you're just the last person on the planet to buy a magazine. I can't tell you the last time I purchased a magazine. I was sitting on the beach, drinking beer. I will do that. And reading about the National Football League. Okay. I don't think that makes me a bad guy. No, it makes you a human being, a normal guy. All right. Quote, Jimbo Fisher might be a mad genius when it comes to media because they get talked about alongside Georgia and Alabama, and they're every bit an 8-4 and four program. Here's the interesting part of the quote. 
He knows it too, but I think that's part of the plan. Wow. Yeah, that's stupid. I don't know who said that, but that that's probably a somebody that doesn't like him. So who doesn't like him? Everybody. Everybody. No, I mean, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I, again, everybody's like, well, I, and I got a, I have a buddy of mine that's in media that's very famous, and he said the same thing. He's like, they're going to be eight and four. They're not going to be any better. I was like, dude, you, you can't. Look, I've gotten a chance to coach two, like, enormously talented teams in my life, and one of them you covered at St. Paul's. I'm being dead-ass honest with you. My wife, I can tell something on here now since since I didn't want this to get out while I was coaching. My wife could have literally called plays, and it would not have mattered. The least amount of coaching I've ever done in my life was when, at 2007 at St. Paul's. Okay, I can't make this up. And if anybody's, I think we got some, somebody messaged me a minute ago that I think uh, is in the, in the, uh, not in the chat, but on the message board that said, hey, coach. So I think, and it said Mobtown Reb. I don't know who that is. If I find out who that is, I think he played for me. We would be beating teams so bad at halftime. I would come, I would take the headset off. I would come out of the press box and come down. I let friends, buddies of mine, go to the press box. And I literally handed them my call sheet, and I circled about like a section. I said, call what you want to. Just call it out of this section right here. And I would let them call plays in the second half. That's, But you know why? Because they were going to work because of the people running the place. Right. So, go look, A&M's too talented, man. I mean, I just don't see any way that they're 8-4 and four again. If they are, it's a, it's, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. They can run the wishbone, man. It doesn't matter. They're that talented. All right, here's more negative. What's the quarterback situation going to be? They took a lot of sacks last year, but they really didn't. Haynes King. But they really didn't turn the ball over much, so they stayed in games. If you take Kellen out, referring to Kellen Mond, Jimbo's history with picking quarterbacks isn't as great as people think. He has a huge decision here. The guy they might not want to play, Max Johnson, is probably the one with the most experience. But they didn't spend all the money on Connor Weigman to keep him on the sidelines, did they? The NIL culture is like a science experiment. How's it going to work with the rest of the locker room? And then here's another one. I mean, boy, Jimbo's made his enemies in the league. That's for sure. Right? It, it, this is a lot of enemies this is what it tells me. Like this is this is people in the league are going to get up for A and M because coaches want to beat him. Okay, here's the quote. <laughs> Yeah, but it's different. Like, you know, like, this is not what you heard about Stoops. This is not what you heard about Leach or Pittman. I'm with you. Go ahead. Okay. They have a really good offensive line. I think you're going to see them get big and simple at first while they settle in on a quarterback because the expectations are mounting. They beat Bama, but they lost to Ole Miss. If you do that again this year, you become Ole Miss, and you're being paid to be Bama. You get What's the last part of that? You're getting paid what? If you do that again this year, you become Ole Miss, and you're being paid to be Bama. Paid to be Bama. Yeah. Ain't I mean, wrong. Not wrong. I mean, yeah, but, dude, I'm just telling you. I, I see no <laughs> – I mean, I get everybody's like 8-4, eight 8-4, and four, eight and four, but I don't know, dude. I, I just think they're too talented. I think you can just go out there and just call plays, and I think it'll work. But whatever. I mean, like, we're all going to see in about a month all, all the talk's going to be over with. Well, that's why this is fun, right? Yeah. It would not be fun if you just talked and talked and talked. <laughs> the games roll around. Yeah. The games are going to be played. And, 
you know, so, as I used the to tell players. you all the time, you'd be like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. It's a scoreboard business. Yeah, it is. When the first game starts, here's what you know. <laughs> I used to tell people this all the time. I've heard this before. Go ahead. But it's true. And every time I say it, people are like, you know what? You're right. Who, pick your game, whoever it is. That first game, it's going to say 15 colon 0 0. It's going to be 0 to 0. Someone's going to kick a ball. Probably going to be a touchback. <laughs> and the first play is going to say first 10, 25. And when the ball gets snapped, the official will do the thing with his hand and they'll start the clock. And they'll keep stats on literally everything. And at the end of the day, all of the stuff that people talked about, whether you like the people or hate the people or what, anything in between, all the stuff that got talked about by people like me will completely not matter because everything that happens on that field will be measured and compared and contrasted and ranked all year long. And the one big stat, the points under each of the teams, will determine everything. That's what I'm saying is like <clears throat> all the talk, you know, when you were talking about, you know, everybody wants to beat him and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, people want to be wants to have beaten Saban for 15 years now. And all the talk and all the pump-up speeches and all the rah-rahs and the halftime and getting people juiced, that shit goes out the window after the first play. And then it comes down to players. Of course. And then and then if the game – if we know the game comes down to players, I'm going to err on the side of who's going to have the best players. And I think Texas A&M minus – one game that they play are probably going to have the best players. We're brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits, achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. I know a lot of you have reached out to Rain on social media and stuff about this show. We appreciate it. Yeah, we've got a little rain shortage going on in Oxford, Mississippi right now. I was at Kroger. I was looking for it yesterday. It was there, but it was like all picked over. I was like, yeah. Maybe we help do that. Yeah, there's a rain shortage going on right now. All right, let's talk ACC. We we did Big Ten last week. Yep. Let's 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 spend some time on the ACC while it's still alive. <laughs> All right, let's start in the Atlantic. <laughs> I was trying to process that. <laughs> it's over. All right, so the Atlantic, I think, is uh, interesting. So I'm going to say Clemson. If I had to pick, Clemson's going to win. I think Clemson's going to be a little bit better. Uh, than they were last year. I think they were nine and three last year. Uh, nobody's talking about them. This is the first year in a while that, in the national picture, everybody's kind of, and they have to be the odds-on favorite to win it. However, there is going to be a really good ACC game that I will be tuned into. And if it's not the seven o'clock ABC game, I'm going to be upset. But okay, let me guess real quick. Yep, because the obvious pick would be Miami. That's not it. But it's NC State. It's NC State because I think that both of these teams, I think Clemson's a little bit more uh, talented when it comes to players. I think they have been – came off their high horse a little bit, and I think they've been kind of reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Clemson lost coaches. You know, Venables goes to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and took a lot of guys with him. Took yeah. a lot of the you know analysts and people, and Clemson's a very different place, and so fans understand this. Dabo is not a big hire from outside guy. Dabo grows them; he believes in growing them from inside out. So he's not a guy that goes and like hires outside coaches very often. And so this is going to be a really big 
year. I mean, he's lost, you know, coordinators to head coaches. And, you know, Elliott leaves. He's lost, you know, Scott leaves and goes to South Florida. He's lost a lot of coaches. But he's still got players. And I think they're uh, being reset a year. I think they're the team to beat. But NC State, I know they're the darling. I know everybody's pulling for them. They have a quarterback back. They have a phenomenal defense coming back. They are well coached by your favorite guy. My boy, Dave. Dave Dorn. Dave Dorn, yep. That's the game that will decide it for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if that game decides who, if a if an ACC team gets in, that's it. But I do think somebody has to go undefeated. And I think even maybe a one-loss ACC team that can run the table because I think you're going to have to play – We'll get to the here's, postal minute, but here's the part that I struggle with, and I don't want. It was I was thinking it, but I'll give uh, Papa B here credit for writing it. The problem I have with NC State, I know everything you just said is is true, and I've watched them play some other games, and they were good. But I watched a lot of that game in Starkville. All right, I'm glad you said that because they I got read that. they got popped. I'm glad you said that. So I talked to an ACC coach this morning. They they helped me out with this stuff. Uh, just got a just got a text from a Clemson coach as I was looking down. Um, no, look. So I texted him and I said, literally, I was so mad at NC State last year. They cost me betting every single time. I either bet, like I bet, I think it was a Mississippi State game. I bet for them to cover, mm-hmm. and they got embarrassed. Whip, and then I bet, and then I bet against them, and they kicked a shit out of I think Miami or somebody they played last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God, or North yeah, they, Carolina. Yeah, they had some had some games where they were impressive. I was over when it came to NC State last year, but I'm with you. They had to be consistent. And that's why I'm giving them the second place nod here. Okay. I'm not giving them the first place nod. I'm giving them the second place nod. But they're talented, dude. And if they can ever get over the hump, they have this is it. Because the ACC's kind of set up for them a little bit. Clemson's got their, you know, Clemson's bruised a little bit. Um, it's it's if they're gonna do it, now's the time. Okay, and I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm just saying if I'm going to be watching that game because if they're going to do it, now's the time. All right, so you got Clemson on the one half. I'm not even sure I can name who's in the other half. All right, so hang on, the Atlantic. You got a team to watch out for, Boston College. Okay, Boston College. The coach at Boston, they're they're doing it right. They'll be better. I'm thinking probably like an eight and four year, maybe even a nine and three year. Fighting. I, I need to drink more rain. I'm trying to stay awake. Through this It'll ACC get you right conversation. All right, yeah. Uh, Florida State, I think, is Florida State. He's going to have to – Norvell's going to have to get it figured out down there. It's over. Um, Wake Forest, I think, is going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Louisville and Syracuse. I am interested in Louisville a little bit just to see. They lost a lot. I want to see how they were – they actually – Are there any sharp objects in here? I, yeah. I, I, I want to hurt myself right now just or something. This is – Well, you got to get you got to get with it, man. We got Louisville. We got the Louisville Cardinals talking about This league's going to fall apart, right? I mean – What's why is he I mean, why is ESPN even motivated to keep him around? I mean, who's if you can watch the Big Ten when Notre Dame joins, and you can watch the SEC when Texas and Oklahoma joins, and they're only twenty four hours in the day. Yeah, but, why are you watching this? Why am I watching? What's it? Why is no? I know you're not. Yeah. Why is anyone if you're not like a, an alum of Florida State or well, something? I think everything's regional, right? That's something. The biggest thing I got out of coaching, the biggest thing I ever got out of coaching, mm-hmm. was the regional bias that occurs with football. The biggest thing I ever got out of it. I grew up in Alabama. Mm-hmm. If you talk to me about the Egg Bowl, I would laugh at you. I'd be like, who gives a shit? Until you coached in it. Until I coached in it. And I was like, holy, you know. Yeah, but that's SEC. 
I, mean, I go to go to Northwestern State in Louisiana. The state fair game against Louisiana Tech. <laughs> All right. Everything is so regionally yeah. biased to where I used to love you that live game. in you live in Louisiana. The only team that matters is LSU. I went to Arkansas State. The only team that matters in that state is Arkansas, and they think Arkansas is Alabama. The regional bias. And so I, I say all that to say this. When you go to South Carolina, I mean, Clemson is the dominant yeah. deal there, right? And I think the regional bias, you go to North Carolina, that's all they have is ACC. Yeah. And so I think the regional bias is, is a big deal. Um, and I th- also think that's why the SEC and the Big Ten are also big deals because they kind of supersede the regional bias. Yeah. People are interested outside their footprint. I did always love the state fair game. We didn't play it when I was there. Really? Yeah. When I was a kid, which is I know what you're talking a about. A long time ago, yeah. we would go to the state fair during the day, and then Tech would play Northwestern in the uh, in the state fair classic at night. The demons fork them, and we'd usually stay at the fair until halftime, and then we'd start trying to figure out because we had to get back on the bus, and if you didn't get back on the bus, you got in trouble. You had to sober up before you got back on the bus. No, this was. It's like middle school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and you are in Louisiana. Yeah, so, I mean, know. so we just drank some. Yeah, you just um, have drive through liquor stores. First time I touched a boob on the <laughs> on the Gravitron, I was invited to. So there, you, I took the I took up the invitation. Our attorney is not here. <laughs> is, just, that, is that going to be our attorney? It's just Murray the Moose. And Murray the Moose is our attorney. Yeah. No, but I think it's regional bias. I will be interested to see how Louisville does. Okay. I think Satterfield's a good coach. Mm-hmm. They got pillaged, portal wise. Yeah. How well did they recover from that? I'll be interested in that. All right, Coastal. You got Miami, North Carolina, Pitt, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke. The guy at Pitt's doing a pretty good job. The guy, yeah, Narduzzi. Narduzzi. He, he is a uh, he's a ball coach, and they're recruiting pretty well. They've had some portal success, and you know they lost, they losses. lost Addison. Yeah, um, but I think this one's going to come down between Miami and North Carolina. I think North Carolina. North Carolina has been recruiting well since Mac Brown got back. Uh, my boy Longo's over there, everybody's favorite. Um, he's over there. Um, my man Jack Bicknell is over there. We got a little old Miss. Is that where Jack is now? Yeah. Okay. My man Jack Bicknell. The greatest interview of all time. I couldn't, I, I'm still, I laugh just thinking about it. The funniest human being I've ever worked with, Jack Bicknell. Really one of the nicest people. He's great. Dude, He it doesn't yeah. get any better than Jack Bicknell. I'm telling you right now, he could have his own reality show. He is the best. Yeah, he's I mean, actually was at a bar and ended up talking to Jack McNell and Rich Rodriguez. And I wasn't there, right? You weren't there. <laughs> and for whatever reason they kind of let their guard down and we ended up having a Did conversation and they I don't know about that. Did you bond? I don't know that I've it's possible <laughs> for me to bond with for whatever reason. Just I I know how it works here. <laughs> By the time, and you know this, by the time the coaches actually meet me, they've been told that I'm the devil incarnate. And, and so, true, and so you have to kind of overcome Look, that. We've talked about this. This is not true. <laughs> this is I not think, true. Think, not one they, person. They, they may not have done it with you because they knew that we already yeah, knew each but, other. But they would, I mean, dead serious. I've never heard that. Now, I've heard it about other people on the beat, but not, not Neil McCready. Okay. But yeah, we, we talked. We had a, it was fun. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. So, but anyway. Uh, Miami, um, Kevin Steele down at Miami with yeah. Mario. Look, yeah. Kevin Steele can coach defense. And well, so here's the knock on Mario, and you tell me. You know him. Okay. You, you, you and 
in fairness, you and yep. your wife are friends with Mario and his wife. Yep. What I hear about Mario is dude can recruit, but he's only going to go as far as his staff can take him on game day. Again, this goes back to this goes back to what a head coach does, right? Okay. You're going to have some I think what he coaches coach the coaches. And as far as the game day Mario's not calling plays on either side of the ball. He's not calling one play that occurs. Right. Now, he may help with a plan and things like that, but Mario's a good football – you don't get to be the head football coach at Oregon and Miami because you can't coach. Right. Just because you're a good recruiter – I mean, shit, I'd be the damn head coach of the damn Miami Dolphins right now if it was all just about fucking recruiting. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Inferno. 56 minutes. That's what That's what it <laughs> took. It took 56 minutes to get the explicit right. label so, on the show. Yeah. All right. Sorry, YouTube. Um, but at the end of the day, the guy, he's got good coaches. They're recruiting well, I, and they have good players there, I'm, and they have a quarterback. I think they're going to be yeah. good this year. Yeah, Van Dyke's probably the most underrated guy you haven't heard of yet. I think he's, a, in my opinion, he's a top three quarterback coming into the draft next year. There's a bunch of college coaches that would make the trade for Van Dyke on their team. and, 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 and <laughs> Yeah. All of them except for probably Alabama and maybe Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of thinking just then, like the program that I cover, Lane, if you handed Lane Van Dyke right now, he would go, oh, my God, we, we really could go 10 or yeah. 11 wins. He's yeah, a, he's sure. a dude. Mm -hmm. um, North Carolina, anyway, I think they're going to be up there with him. It'll be a one-two deal. Here was the interesting thing. I know we got a lot of Ole Miss fans here. Got a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting comments about Georgia Tech. Didn't think they were going to be great. Really? But didn't think they were going to be as bad as everybody thinks because they've hit – they did lose the portal. They lost a lot of dudes. A but, lot. But they hit the portal too. And interesting comments was a lot of these guys are – were I think it was like 17 new guys that were from Atlanta that left to go to wherever, right? To Michigan State, to Michigan, to wherever. Yep. I don't know where, but a lot of guys came back home. Okay. And so we thought they would be a little bit better than what everybody's anticipating. Didn't say they're going to be competing for the title or anything, right. but it wasn't going to be uh, – they weren't going to get just walked over. Okay. You better come to play. That was kind of the, the what I was told. It didn't matter who you were, you better come to play. Um, so that was interesting for there. Virginia Tech being in this coaches that I talked to, Virginia Tech was very low Yeah. in this one. Um, really falling off. And then Duke, obviously. But I uh, thought Pitt, Virginia, and Georgia Tech would be the middle group in that. Second tier in the Coastal. Okay. So, there you go, ACC. Whew, glad we got that done. I know. You're so – I mean, it's SEC or bust in this, in this place. It's a tough room. I'm a Big Ten guy. I know. I'm an SEC guy. I have to tell you, but I'm a also – I'm a college football guy. I don't care if – I'll watch the damn Tuesday night action. One of the leagues we'll talk about a little bit next week or two that I, I think is going to be fun to talk about, believe it or not, is the Sun Belt. Oh, I'm a I'm a Sun Belt Fun Belt expert. The Sun Belt has sort of I like here's what I like about the Sun Belt is that they know who they are. They never try to change their clothes, if you will. They just hey, this is what we this is who we are. And they're very comfortable in it. And it's a league that has developed some rivalries. And to your point about regionalization, the fans of those teams hate, and when I say hate, I mean in a good way. The way that SEC right. has SEC has hate. But if you really boil the hate down, it's not really hate. It, it's it's the the Sun Belt's been able to do that on a much smaller level, and they're cool with it. 
Yep. Shout out to uh, my man Brian Landis and uh, Sean Elliott, the head coach at Georgia State. They are avid listeners of the podcast. Just thought I'd let you know that. Oh, cool. And they're uh, they the whole staff. I, didn't, I probably should have told you that coming in for it. So make sure you talk good about Georgia State. They listen to the podcast driving into the facility every morning. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So if we go if we go for an hour, it gives them like three days worth. So they they love it. But that's I mean that league's fun. Like if you watch that league, and I I turn them on my computer sometimes. That league's fun. Hey, I got I got some trolls. Can I can I respond to a troll in the chat? Oh uh, sure. My man uh, Tevin Snyder says Tyler never met, never met a subject he wasn't an expert on. <laughs> you just wait till we get to JFK balls. <laughs> All right, real quick before we get to JFK, uh, Deshaun Watson gets a six-game suspension. It's getting a lot of criticism in, in the media world. You're not really a media person just yet. What's your, what's your thought there? So the big stink is, is that Calvin Ridley got a year yeah. for doing a three-team parlay. He should have got a year for just betting a three-team parlay <laughs> for that much money is what he should have been suspended for. But and, and That did not involve teams that he played for. Right. He wasn't even playing. He was he was out on leave. Um, yeah. I don't know the exact list he was on, but I don't know if it was pup list or whatever it was. But he was out. He was actually in Florida where it's legal. Did it, whatever. Great, good. Gets a year. Mm-hmm. The NFL, I just want to say this. The NFL has a history – of doing this, they punish. They punish, uh, not crimes, deals against the integrity of the game, much more severe than they do um, discipline issues. So yeah. you know, betting on games, um, steroids, those things, the integrity of the game issues, punching out a woman on on video, right? They don't, but that's not the integrity of the game. I mean, it has to be that bad. Now, what I'm interested in is I wonder, not if it was a leak. I'm interested to see if Roger Goodell is going to see, because they have three days to respond to this uh, appeal or whatever. I'm interested to see if they go, if they they leak this to kind of see what the temperature was yeah, to make it more severe. Um, oh, but but look, be. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm glad I don't. I, I, this six games enough for me? No. That's my. I think that's the worst thing you can do. I think it's a joke. You know. I also think that there's this fine line, right, between the NFL being, you know, Roger Goodell is like a dictator, right? He's the the investigator, the judge, and the jury, and so whatever you want to call it, executioner and all other stuff. There's this fine line between let the criminal part of the justice system do what they do, and you stay in your lane and 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 do that. And and being a distraction to the profession and to the enterprise of the NFL. So, um, I mean, look, one time, okay, but dude, I mean, it's what? What are we up to now? Thirty. Thirty. No, they've all settled. Only thing I will say is, if he was not guilty of something, he would not have been suspended, in my opinion. Yeah. So, in in my opinion, if you're guilty of any of that, your ass should be done. But. The Browns didn't think it was bad enough. No, they, they – well, it shows you – it also shows you along the lines of the quarterback conversation we had earlier how hard it is in the NFL to find a quarterback talented enough to win you games. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting how they uh, structured his contract too. He's only losing like three hundred grand. Yeah, they saw this coming. They, 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 they were prepared for this. All right. Um, 
you and I had completely different Fridays. You were off to uh, <laughs> you were off to Dallas. You came back going, man, this is like the best outside of the birth of my children. This was the best day of my life. Tell me about your Saturday. Yeah, well, let's start on Friday. Okay, I'd really like to, I'd like to forget Friday if it's possible. Okay, I, actually, <laughs> I'd like to forget Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday is the day that Did I you would like my just, text message I sent you. On Thursday? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thursday is the day that I would, and into Friday is the day that I would like to just completely forget. Yeah, and so I've never seen this happen, but like. I think I'm getting to that age to where I don't know if it's wisdom, but I just get real confused on why people do things. Yeah. So we get to the airport. Flight's already been delayed because of weather. Cool. Okay. Missed my dinner out. We were supposed to be in Dallas in time to go eat a nice dinner. We didn't get there. American Airlines, love you. Got to work. Memphis Airport, love you. We got to figure out a better solution for this. At about, after being delayed for about three hours, the plane finally gets here from Dallas to take us back. And I'm sitting there, and they in the new renovated Memphis Airport, by the way. It's very nice. Very nice. They've done a great job. So the way I'm sitting, like the gate is behind me a little bit, but I'm facing kind of the, out towards the runway. And they're de- they're taking the people off the plane and all that stuff, and I see flashing lights from a distance. I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is. And then I realize that's a fire truck in the distance, and mm-hmm. it gets closer and closer and closer. This son of a bitch pulls up to the gate, and I'm like, what the hell? And so I kind of peek out. My man has dumped 10,000 gallons of jet fuel just sitting there. I don't know what he's doing. Like, how many gallons have to spill out before you go, hey, man, I think we got a problem here? <laughs> 10,000 gallons. And they told us that was a number. Like, they made an announcement. Mm-hmm. 10,000 gallons. I'm not making that number up. Right. Underneath the plane, all over the plane, everywhere else. And you can smell it coming up into the airport. Like, I'll start to get a headache. I'm sure. All right, first of all, jet fuel in today's cost, cuz has to be fired. Yeah, dude had a bad I day. I mean, that's a, that's a $50-something thousand dollar mistake <laughs> on a cheap day. I mean, <laughs> gas prices now. Day. Yeah. I mean, how much does that cost? But here's where I, here's where I lost all hope for the future of America. <laughs> As the – I'm looking at the fire truck sitting over here. Mm-hmm. They're just, the firemen are just kind of like doing one of these deals, like mm-hmm. looking. And the one guy that spilled 10,000 gallons uh-huh. is out there with paper towels, <laughs> cleaning it up. I'm not making Bounty. this up. Bounty, the quicker picker. So rubber. that was the funny thing is the guy sitting next to me, some guy I don't know, he goes, well, the good thing, it's Bounty. And I started laughing. I was like, dude, that's sharp. I like you. But the homies out there with paper towels, and they were not regular paper towels. They were like. You know, square. Look like it was out of a package. Industrial. Industrial deal. But yeah. he's like like he's putting together a puzzle. Arr, come on. And I'm like, what are we doing? And so after like an hour of that, he then goes and picks it up, still wet, shocker. And so then then the uh, crew that was on the plane, because I guess they couldn't get off or something for some reason, then they get sick from the fumes and they have to quit. Oh. They can't. They get sick. So they have to get a new, another crew. And then shocker, by about midnight, they get us out on another plane. And they didn't do it. But for any other reason, because all the connections going to Dallas. But uh, I, I got back. I got to the hotel about two o'clock on Saturday morning, so that was fun. But I got there. All right, Saturday. Let's yeah, go. We'll get yeah. to single-handedly the best day besides the birth of my children. So that's three days, and I better say the day I married my wife. You, so you that's four to. days. Yeah. Okay. So okay. can we say it's the fifth best day of sure. yeah. your life? You tell, yeah. you tell me. Fifth best day I've ever had. Um, we went to the start off with the JFK Museum. And then finished with the UFC, which we'll talk about. But UFC, 
I know we got some guys that like UFC in here. Yeah. Single best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Period. Bar none. In a discussion. Been to them all. Single best sporting event. Ranks one notch ahead of the World Series. Wow. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a minute. I know you're not a UFC well, let's do, guy. Let's do UFC first. All right. So um, got to see Mike Tyson and uh, Jeff Levy was there. I also got to see Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw Joe Rogan. Saw Joe Rogan. A lot of stars. Um, Terrence Crawford was sitting right next to Mike Tyson, and nobody knew who he was because he was sitting next to Mike Tyson. Um, but they were – Monster did it. Monster. Bob Ricardo is the man. He's my hero. I'm talking about when I say hooked us up with seats. I mean, dude, I'm like five rows off the floor. I mean, unbelievable seats. I mean, I could – and you could hear the violence. You watch it on TV, and you kind of hear things. Every single time somebody contacted with somebody, you heard it. Like, if I mean, I'm talking about like – I mean, yeah, it was great violence. It was awesome. I know you're not a violent guy. Uh, but I'm a lover, not a fighter. There you go. I love violence. Um, probably shouldn't say that on, in case somebody has to bring that up. I get go to court one day. He loves violence. Mm. Just said it. <laughs> um, guilty as charged. One hour, eight minutes in. I'll just remember that. Yeah. When they come subpoena it. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, that. That's sure. one hour, eight mark. Yeah. The, uh, but look, just a, the, the whole UFC puts on a great event. The fans were great as far as like it wasn't obnoxious like you would think. I mean, just everybody very nice. Probably because you look over and you're like, but that guy likes to fight. I think they kind of looked around and like probably everybody liked fighting. Yeah. It kept the peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. It's like having your finger on the nuclear weapon button. Yeah. You know, it's kept the peace. Uh, interesting. They would not. Everything was in a cup. Like when you went to go get a beer, a water, Coke, it didn't matter. Everything was in a in a cup. Because they didn't want you throwing things. I mean, UFC sharp now. They didn't yeah. want you throwing things into the ring and stopping the fight or anything like that. Every everything they sold, you could not with an arms throw throw it. They never sold anything that you could throw into the ring. So you know, just a well put on event. Um, and it was again the athleticism, the size, and to see just. I mean, dude gets kicked in the liver. Went end up kicking the shit out of this guy for three rounds, and then he gets kicked in the liver, and he's done. Just every it's a, everybody has a puncher's chance. At any time, it was just a lot of fun. Except that I lost. Uh, I go. I think I went three and two on my picks. Yeah, you were super excited about your picks that you sent to me. And I went three and two, but the, the this never happens ever. Is all the favorites won the fight? So I went three and two, but kind of broke even because the favorites didn't win as much. So I lost. I lost two on. Uh, I won a little bit, but nothing to write home about. Earlier in the day, you solved the Kennedy assassination. I did. Let me tell you something. I feel if you've been right, I have okay several times. I'm a visual guy. I am, and I've done. My uh, friend Andy Kennedy always tells me that men are visual learners. I'm beyond visual, and when I got there, the first thing that I kind of noticed is from growing. I mean, I've been doing this since I was like in fifth, sixth grade, right? And this was your first time to the site, first time ever. Okay, and. You see all the documentaries. You see the movies. And by the way, JFK Revisited, that's on Showtime. Yeah, it's very good. Awesome. Yeah. And so that basically covers documents that have been released since the movie. All right. So it's a lot smaller in a smaller area Uh than what you initially visualize in your head. You're thinking this is a really big area. And I go, and I showed you the photo. Mm -hmm. And... I went and stood behind the fence on the grassy knoll to where they say the shooter was located if there was a conspiracy. The shadow. The shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Without, with 100% certainty, there's, you're patronizing me at this point to tell me that there was one shooter. 
I mean, you have to be a complete moron to say that there was one shooter. The the argument, and I'm, oh, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. I mean, I'm like, well, I, <laughs> I mean, let's go. Conspiracy empty. theory. All right. the The argument is. Give me some tenfold. The argument is, if there were other shooters, and for the record, I go back and forth on this, and I've probably as much of a Kennedy assassination junkie as you'll run into. The argument is that if there had been another shooter, surely he, I guess, or she, but he, would have told someone. Someone would have known. It would have somehow gotten out who it was. And to date, you know, there's other names that fly around out there. But to date, there's, there doesn't seem to be a consensus on if there was a shooter behind that fence, here's who he was. Right. I'm with you on that. All right. So two things is one, if Lee Harvey Oswald was the only shooter, okay, I went up and, and you couldn't get to the exact window because they had it glassed out. Right, right. But you're right next but to it. But you get very close to, very the, close to very it. Very close to the nest. Mm-hmm. If he was the lone shooter, he takes the shot when he's coming. The, for 30 seconds, the car is driving right at him. Well, there's no question about that. All right. right. And then it takes the slow turn and, and it's he right below He him. doesn't take a first shot. If it's if it's Oswald, he doesn't take a first shot ever when he has clean looks at it. I mean, and it's, he it's waits an easy and, shot. He waits until it's at an angle because the, the, the car takes a turn and he has to – Oswald has to go from being head square on where Kennedy would have been in his sights – to turning the the rifle to the right and down. Right. And then the other thing is the like the angle exactly. So for me in my head like thinking over the years, I was like, "Oh, he just turned and shot him going down." No, his angle would have to change. And that's what I was talking about. If you're shooting and he was at he was going to shoot the guy, if from down Houston he's here, and if he was going to shoot down, he was right there below him when he made the turn. And so then it went behind the trees, he's going to have to scope that through the trees and everything else. And but he had a long time. I mean, the, 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 the he had forever from where he was. He had at least 30 seconds to shoot before he did. But I'm just saying, even after he took the turn and passed the tree, he had time to shoot. Right. He had time. He had and that time. tree wasn't as tall then as it is yeah, today. It, the, I, it, but you would still have to scope it through the tree because he probably just cleared the tree when the shot, the first shot rang out. But I mean, he was a trained marksman. Correct. An average deer hunter. An average, not even a good one. An average deer hunter could have killed him coming down, coming up Houston Street. Yeah, an average deer hunter. So you're saying you think he waited because he was waiting for him to get into a crosshairs? Correct. And then when you go and you stand behind, and I showed you the picture. Yeah. When you stand behind where the alleged shooter would have been, the car would have been blocked out by the white concrete structure that they have on top of the grassy knoll. Okay, it would have been blocked out, and as soon as it cleared, and I didn't know where the X was. Well, now they have, they have an X marking the spot. Right, that X is just past where the car would have cleared. And if you go and look at the pictures, and I showed you the other picture that was in the museum that I hadn't seen before. Right, there were some pictures in the museum that I haven't seen. His head was coming back right at that angle, and it was in a straight line. You could have drawn a straight line between the camera. The head, and then that spot on the corner. And again, I'm 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 playing devil's advocate here as much as anything. Yet there were witnesses there. There were there were photos, obviously, and at no point in any of those photos 
And at no point have any witnesses said, yeah, I saw a gun there. I saw a person. I saw smoke. I saw whatever. As opposed to Oswald, where the people below him, the two, um, I believe, African-American gentlemen that were there on their lunch break, were sitting out. They literally heard the shots above them. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing that he had nothing had anything to do with it. I do think he had something to do with it. I just think he was part of a team. And okay. and now the show, if you guys, if you haven't watched JFK Revisited, because when I watched that show and you were talking about, well, somebody would have said something. I did not as much research and everything that I've come across. I did not know until I watched that show that two previous plots. Yes. Had been uncovered by the Secret Service. Very similar plots. One in Chicago. One in Chicago and one in Tampa. That's right. And they were in the week before and the week before that, the two weeks right. leading up. In fact, the Chicago trip did not happen be- because, because of, of the threat. The threat, right. Hired somebody in a warehouse on the parade route. Guy gets hired. Then the, then the four Cubans that had rifles that rented the apartment, that's how they got foiled. So I don't believe, like, I'm talking about the exact same, I'm talking about the exact same structure, yeah, right? right. And then this happens the next week. And so I think there were other plots to happen to get this, get this done. The other thing is, is that that happened. And then the, the shot that, you know, they say the first shot that missed that bad, you know, that, that goes over and like, yeah, it's you're almost like shooting in air. The angle doesn't fit. I mean, it's like aiming here. Then I'm going to shoot here. I mean, it's not even, that's not even a possibility. Um, but, Anyway, I'll tell you a lot to tell you this. The reason I think that nobody's talked is because of who they were. When you look at the guy who was allegedly the uh, – was going to be the patsy in Tampa, mm-hmm. they're saying he was, he was allegedly now the guy who was behind in the grass. They both were CIA – at the CIA base in Japan. They All these guys that was in Chicago, the guys that were in Tampa, and now Lee Harvey Oswald and Dallas, they all trained at the same exact military base, secret CIA base in Japan. And you don't, I mean, those people don't talk. That's why you don't hear about it. It's, you don't have Twitter. Think, people used to keep, keep their mouth shut back in the day. That, people but have it, lost that. But aren't the odds that someone, one of those people, that would have been a pretty big secret to keep, that one of those people would have, on his deathbed, told a family member or told someone. I mean, it's human nature to talk. I think they killed off the people that knew. That's facts, too. I mean, a lot yeah, of people a, died. A lot of people mysteriously died. That's true. I mean, I, I think that's why there's things that haven't been released. If it's not a secret, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, let's just, can we, ha- can we be Dr. Common Sense here? Well, you know, you're right. Because, I mean, Donald Trump got into the white house and he was like hey you know we're gonna we're gonna drain the swamp we're gonna drain the swamp remember all that yeah and 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 yet the kennedy documents he apparently saw that or people to you 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 can't do that and even i mean i guess was it was it biden in office when the time the time lapse expired and they still froze a lot of the they backed it up yeah they backed it up to 2029 but again Let's just, how can we just have common sense? Sure. Because I do have a doctor. I have a master's in education, but a doctorate in common sense. Okay. If your government's not involved with it, why are you holding documents? Yeah. If the Cubans were involved, hell, Castro's dead, release them. Hell, Russia's a different damn country since then. Yeah, there is no Soviet Union. Yeah. Right. What are we doing? 
there's a reason they're not releasing those documents. So you think it was a CIA inside job? I, th- I think it was, a, in my Motivated by what? Uh, the director of CIA at the time. I can't think of his name. J. Edgar Hoover. No. He was FBI. Okay. Um, it's on the documentary. Oh, Dulles. Dulles. Alan, Dulles. Alan Dulles hated Kennedy. All right. So he was already during the Eisenhower. So you had a, ch- a regime change between Republicans and Democrats, right, in the 60 right. election. Right. All right. So he had things that he wanted to get done in Cuba. When Kennedy came because the, the Bay of Pigs thing had already been that was, that was it was already cooked up right and then he was they but you know they were wanting to get things done and Kennedy was coming through and then privately and you can see it in that JFK revisited it was like we're going to dismantle the CIA mm-hmm. so you had two guys a power struggle um, and you know people that are involved in politics I have somebody I know very well that's involved in the high level politics and I asked him one time I said. Do you ever want to be the president of the United States? He says, oh, no. I said, why? He goes, because he doesn't have enough power. That has always stuck with me in my head. Yeah. And it's the people that are institutional that have the power, not the people who are elected necessarily. It's the people who are doing shit. Yeah. Getting things done. And so in my opinion, it just common sense wise, if there was nothing to hide, from a United States government standpoint, they would have released those documents. Same way we don't know about Area 51. I'm not saying there's aliens out there. I'm just saying that there's things going on there from a government standpoint that they don't want you to know about. Right. You know, there's probably shit that goes on in my house and your house that you don't want everybody to know about so you don't tweet it. That's true. I wasn't tweeting on Thursday, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Vlogging? You want to do a live vlog? No, But... But my point, my point is this, is that when you see everything and the angles and everything, it's just so improbable. Like, I feel like I'm being told a fairy tale. Yeah. To the point to where I'm so convinced that, I'm not saying, I think he was involved at some point. I mean, I think he, I don't think he was a patsy. I just think he knew, he knew the other people that are involved. He knew the rest of the story. That's why they killed him two days after. Yeah. And... If it's mafia, if it's CIA, I think it all comes down to well, the Kennedys were going to dismantle the CIA. That's known. And I, and I think they, they was just more than one shooter, and I don't think there's any way to do that. Sammy says Area 51's working on 12-man football. <laughs> <laughs> they already got that figured out in Canada. All right, we'll, uh, we'll stop there. We, we, I mean, we, just think of all the things you got here. You found out about who's going to win the ACC, and you found out who killed JFK. Who killed JFK. But what do you do? You really think that that, in your opinion, do you think he was a long shooter? No, I don't. I now the other, the part that where I struggle is, it's been like I just said, it's been sixty years, and I, I think if there, I just there's a part of me that thinks that we would we would know uh, know. A lot more now. I think we do know. I just don't think it's been released. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I don't know, man. I just, after going there, and it was so surreal, man. I'm talking about seeing the X's on the on the road. Well, there's something about being at a place where you go, wow, history changed here. The world changed here. It's same. I mean, that's a good point, because it was kind of the same feeling I had when I went to the 9-11 Museum for the first time. Right. Now, that was depressing and sad. But the world changed in the that world, spot. There's the world a, changed. There's a, there's a sobriety, a somberness to those places that... You know, we probably don't go to Vietnam. 
you know, I mean, it's it's people talk about you know Omaha Beach or yeah Normandy, you know, places like that where you you're there and there's just a feeling that comes over you, yeah. and and I think I think that's one of those places. I just I don't know, man. I just I can't uh, I can't describe enough to you like the the feeling that you when you I mean, dude, a freaking president got assassinated right here on this edge. Sure, sure. You know, and you think, oh, well, that was forever ago. Well, I mean, not really, not really. Yeah. You know, and, and the amount, the other thing that I kind of got a, uh, a weird feeling about was, you know, we we're talking about 11, 22, 63, the book and the mm-hmm. show on Hulu. Sure. How many things changed that day, the course of history. Sure. And you Absolutely. Think, you know, how many people went to Vietnam and died that would have had kids sure. and, you know, just the butterfly effect. Yes, of course. And um, it's very powerful. It's a powerful moment. Yeah, man. it is. It but is. I encourage anybody to go. I think man. maybe maybe there's a part of me that doesn't want to believe it, because if you believe that it was an inside job, you lose faith in the democracy. You, yeah, but it's why, frankly, people like me. I think the last two and a half years have bothered me a lot. Is because a lot there were a lot of lies told. You don't go full uh, tin roof hat. Aluminum full hat? Sure. I mean, five, five minutes or less. Oh, less than five minutes. Okay. So do you remember in that, and I, I'll have to go back and watch it, but in that documentary they talked about the CIA brought, when things started going sour with Kennedys, they brought, the CIA brought Operation Northwood or Northcut or something like that to the Kennedys. And part of that operation was the CIA was going to start doing terrorist activities inside the United States against its own people and blame it on the Cubans to get support for the military to invade Cuba. Do you remember that in the show? Vaguely. And you know what part of that plan was? To hijack airliners and run them into buildings. Is that right? Now I had, when I watched that, now that'll, that'll send that, that made me put full aluminum pole on my head. Now I will, I will say that I don't, the, the, the people that have gone down that conspiracy, that, that rabbit hole, I think it. You can shoot it down pretty quick. Yeah, I'm just saying. Talking about giving you, put making you put your alum, sure. alum full hat on, sure. and start asking questions. Well, it's it's why it's why it's never a good idea when the government lies to the public. You don't <laughs> want day. you don't want to lose the trust. When you lose the public trust, things go south. I mean, it's just it was a that was a. It's like if they were to tell you today that hey, we have another pandemic. Unlike. <laughs> Unlike March of 2020 when everybody said, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Now people go, oh, bullshit. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't believe that. I'm not doing it. It's the boy that cried wolf at some point. That's where we kind of are. Yeah, dude. I, I'm, and that's one of the re- I mean, look, to, and to your point, it's why if you know what the truth would reveal and what the truth would do to the public trust, you don't release it. Yeah, and I think that's why. How many presidents have we had that's going into office that, Said they're going to do reveal stuff and they don't. Well, I mean, most. a lot of them. I mean, there's been several since since Kennedy. <laughs> there's right? been a few. I mean, you've had you know Johnson, um, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Doctor of Common uh, Sense, Bush, man. Clinton, another Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden. There's a reason. There's been people that have had opportunities. Obviously, it's so what people aren't asking the right question is why aren't they releasing it? Yeah. So. All right, we'll be back. Uh, what's our plan? We're coming back next week, right? Yeah, Monday. We'll start cranking it up. I'm going to Nashville tomorrow. That's right. So Tyler's going to Nashville. We'll be back with you guys in a week. Thanks for uh, being with us here 
on McCrady and Siski. Don't forget, we're brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel, 300 milligrams of natural caffeine, BCAAs, electrolytes, zero sugar. It's got what you need to push the limits, achieve your goals. Check them out on Instagram at Rain Body Fuel to learn more. For Tyler Siski, I'm Neil McCrady. That does it for this edition of McCrady and Siski. Thanks for being with us. Have a great week. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.